0: Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to the WCBC Podcast. My name's Hunter. My name's Alan. I'm Josh. And we are here, and we are with...
1: Cody Huntsman.
0: (laughs) Cody's here with us. Um, I know a lot of people have been ready for part two um, of Cody's testimony, our conversation about the power of God. So we are here, and uh, we're super excited. I know we've... I feel like the last two weeks we've been like, all right, Cody's coming the next week. And then we do that episode, where I never mind, just kidding, Cody's coming the next week, so Cody's finally here. So, yeah. Cody, thanks for coming back.
1: Well, thanks for having me again, guys, I've been looking forward
0: to it. So, uh, man, it, it's been a good day um, in the Lord, I, I'm telling you. And when I say that, I'm just saying, like, to be able to come together with the local assembly that you're a part of, and get to worship, and hear sing songs about the Lord, and also hear from the Word of God um, that's just a good day in Him, literally, because it's about Him. And some places will come back together tonight for uh, a second worship service. And man, we we're doing that, and so we're just so thankful that we're a part of a church that uh, is bold to stay open and is just following the vision that God has um, for us. And by that, you know, through the leadership of our uh, our elders, our deacon, and our pastor, you know, they they're always trying to move forward towards what God's wanting us to do and the doors that he opens and man it, it's just been a great day and uh i'm excited for this podcast so everybody else oh yeah oh yeah alan you're having to like stretch dude you put mm-hmm. it way up there well
2: i know I've, I've got some ergonomic issues going on with my <laughs> microphone and, and i i think it's for with the we're, we're uh, you can't see what's going on because we're not videoing but the, the room is packed we've got a we've got a large crowd in here today and uh uh i've got my Microphone stood straight up so I can scoop my chair up now. Get a little closer. There we go. Now
0: that's better. That's Ergonomics. Better. That's better. What a yeah. word. Yeah.
3: That's, uh, Big words. It's that's better. That's, yeah. <laughs> hey, and Alan, Alan kind of did uh, some
0: foreshadowing, um, foreshadowing, not uh, prophesying. Something mm-hmm. We talked about that last yeah, week. Yeah, we but, did. Uh, a- a- Alan is definitely foreshadowing to something. Uh, so here in the next few weeks, we're actually moving again our podcast uh little area. We're getting our own room and we're so excited because there's gonna be A C in this one. Uh the A C in this room has just died and since we've started in here. But with this new room, we actually are gonna start doing some videos. Our
2: listeners may miss the uh, occasional sound of a you know siren going by or oh, yeah. uh, the bird chirping with the windows up. But, oh yeah. But, but we're we're excited to get into our new location.
0: Yeah, and we're to be able to be in a place too where we can like take some videos of some discussion and be able to put that out there so people can see, you know, I know some people, I'm one of those, like if I can see the conversation taking place, I can pay attention a little better sometimes. And I'll have to be on
2: my A game. Yeah. You'll have to I, behave. Best behavior. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Cause, uh, a lot of things that go on that <laughs> we're, we're cueing each other. We're sending each other signals and holding up, you know, like our notes and pointing and stuff and, uh this'll this'll hold us a little bit more accountable so that we're on our best behavior.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh I think it, I, I wish some of you all that are listening, like all of you could just see some of like the memories we've made in here mid mid pod you remember on the spider, was it your that, mic? Yeah. <laughs> the spider was crawling up Josh's mic and we're all like trying to keep the conversation going because no one can see us. We're just it's our voices. And But literally inside of me, I'm freaking out because I don't like spotters. And then Josh just flicks that bad boy. Oh, no, no. Alan, he just flicked that little guy. (laughs) And uh, it was funny. Then last week, somebody in a vehicle was behind – there's a window behind me, so they're parked back here doing stuff – and Grant Allen and Josh are just looking at the <laughs> window. Going, going back and forth. Was, <laughs> they
2: make like ten trips. They're going back and forth f- from from the fellowship hall to their vehicle, and they're they're taking stuff. And they're, every time they go by, they're looking in the window. I'm
0: pretty sure it's for your uh, wedding thing, <laughs> your oh, wedding, shower. wedding shower. Yeah. yeah, it was some of it was like Miss Pat. And like while I'm sitting here trying to kind of pass the conversation off, uh, these no three idea. are We're like looking out the window. Know. And so I just am like, okay, you know what's what's going on? So. Uh, <laughs> How many trips are you going to take? <laughs> There's a lot of stuff. You guys had a lot of food at that thing. Oh, it was awesome. The cake it was, was really good.
1: glorious. It was amazing.
0: So, uh, but yeah, so we're, we're excited. So just stay tuned to that. Also, don't forget, uh, we're going to finish up Spiritual Gifts here in the next few weeks. And then we are going to move on to our theology um, series where we go through traditionalism, uh, Arminianism, um, I can't remember them all. Oh, Calvinism, and then there was one more, and I can't think of what it was. But there was four of them, and we're gonna cover them. We're gonna go through them, and we're just gonna talk about where they came from, the history of them. Um, and so y'all, y'all stay tuned to that. Our pastor, and then our well, we can we can say this now. Our pastor pastor Jason's gonna be joining us, but also we're gonna be having. Our new pastor, Pastor Jake Evans, he's joining our fellowship as a pastor. He's going to come join us too, and we're just going to talk about all sorts of theology. And uh, I think it's going to be really good, and I think it's going to benefit a lot of people. And I, dude, I know it's Arminianism, Calvinism, traditionalism, and you guys remember the fourth one?
1: Catholicism. No, that was well. That's going to come up. That'll come up.
0: Maybe I, I can't remember. Maybe it's like modern, or was there just three? No, legalism. That's a good one. Yeah. Man, we're going to talk about a lot of isms. So we'll just leave it like mm-hmm. that. But uh, we're super excited about that. So uh, keep that in mind. Um, if you've ever had questions about that stuff, hopefully we'll be able to educate some people on uh, why some people lean certain ways in theology. So, with all that in mind, so two weeks ago, part one of, with Cody, uh, we left on a cliffhanger. Cody had just talked about that he entered rehab, right, Cody? Mm-hmm. And then he went to this church. And, excuse me, wow, Um, and then all of a sudden, Cody is introduced to the gospel through conviction from God, um, surrenders to that, puts his faith in Jesus, is gloriously transformed and made into a new creature, and pause that's kind of where we left yeah, off yeah. so
1: yeah i don't know if anybody's ever watched the sopranos which i wouldn't recommend anybody should watch it but like it's kind of like a that's how the whole season is it was like a 10 season long thing and all of a sudden it just cut to black and no answers. so that's, that's a I good was. example
0: but don't watch that series. don't watch the sopranos no, that's a former
1: life don't watch the sopranos <laughs> So is that about singers,
0: huh? Is it about singers? Sopranos? Sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, it's more about uh,
1: the mafia.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, we don't recommend that. But that is a good example. Though, I mean, of kind of what happened. We left everybody with like a a what if, and I had people come up to me and be like, "Man, when are y'all going to do part two of uh, Alan's turning his phone off, Cody? That that happens. Don't worry Actually, about that's it. My boss calling. Me. <laughs> well, he can wait. But he wants Baker. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> What's up, Moss? Um but yeah, so uh so Cody, you've just put your faith in Christ, then what takes place? Okay. Go from there.
1: Um so after that night, you know, I put my faith in Christ, I had my what I would call an encounter with Jesus, definitely a almost face-to-face encounter with him and uh I remember getting back in the uh the vehicle that brought us to the church and we were heading back to Spring to Life and um, the guys are looking at me and they said, man, what happened in there? My friend Boston, the one who led me to the Lord was sitting right next to me. And he, I was like, I don't know, man, but I just feel different. I feel like everything's about to change. Like something big's about to happen. And, uh, I went to bed that night and that was probably the first time I ever slept good. Like peacefully in years, a couple years, um, woke up the next morning, um, uh, went upstairs and, uh, going to make some coffee and i don't know but my thought process was a lot different i had like no anxiety um i was just at peace and just uh, enjoying creation you know it's first time i've been in anywhere in East Tennessee before, and I was looking outside, looking at the mountains and looking at the trees, and uh, I was just really appreciating nature for the first time, and like understanding what cre- how beautiful creation was, and I thought, wow, this is weird. <laughs> and then uh, I went to go make some coffee, and uh, I spilled the entire. Everybody's done this: you drop the the container, and all the grinds go everywhere and um you know the f word used to be my favorite word i used it fluently and uh, i dropped that thing and i was about to say, I was about to say it and I, I just stopped like dead in my tracks something from within me stopped and i had this thought of like no i shouldn't say that and so i was like all right this is this is getting weird and then later on that day we went to the gym and we go to a public gym with a public pool there's ladies walking around and how most young guys do, uh, all the other guys, they're looking around and they're like, oh man, look at her, look at her, look at her. And uh, I was like, man, you know that's somebody's wife, right? Like that—that that her husband's standing right next to her. And they were looking at me sideways because just the week before I was doing the same thing, making inappropriate comments or lustful thoughts towards them. And I was, I was just seeing things in a whole new light, just as an example. And uh, as far as my urge to use drugs or alcohol, like I just got the sickening feeling every time I thought about um, going back or using or anything like that, like the pleasure it was like the mask was taken off sin and the pleasure from it was definitely gone and I was just left with the consequences Um, and then I just had this hunger and this thirst for the word Um, I had just such a desire and such a drive all of a sudden to know more and to work on this relationship that I've just had so I talked to Adam Comer, who is now the CEO of Spring to Life um, Recovery in Murphy's or Woodbury, Tennessee. Um, and I talked to him, and I said, Pastor, what do you think I need to do? He said, well, now you're in what's called the sanctification process. He said, you're a babe in Christ. He said, you've just been saved. He said, this is where the real work begins. And uh, he taught me about the four pillars. And this is what I believe every Christian should know about. There's the four pillars. Your foundation is your belief in Christ. Your your salvation moment, your basic knowledge of the gospel. You got four pillars that hold up a successful relationship with the Lord. You got one pillar, pillar that's prayer, the other one is fellowship, the other one is the word, and the other one is obedience or wisdom, okay? And he explained it to me like this. You got these four pillars, and it's what holds up the strong point of your relationship with him. He said, usually when you take one post away, your relationship can still stand, but it's not as strong as it was. So usually the first one to go is prayer or reading your Bible or staying in the word. And you have to maintain those things. So usually for the first part would be taking away prayer. You stop talking to God, but you're still reading your Bible. And then maybe you stop reading your Bible, but you're still going to church and you're still trying to be obedient. Well, a two post is not going to hold up a roof of a house. Anybody who's ever worked in construction knows you need a lot more than that. Yeah, Josh over here. Oh, yeah, I'm looking right at you, buddy. So he taught me about the four pillars, and uh, that just really hit home to me about, you know, Christianity. This is not just a, okay, uh, I got fixed. I'm going to go home, and I'm, just, you know, do me, and I'll be all right. No, it was all about developing a relationship with the Lord, and he changed me from the inside out that day. Um, I had a desire for his word. I had no desire whatsoever to use drugs or alcohol of any kind. Um, And it's like the Lord started speaking to me. And when my time came to an end at Spring to Life, um, I was like, Lord, where do you want me to go? I wanted to go back home and do my own thing and be where I, I was afraid of trying something new. But the Lord was really putting on me to stay in Tennessee, to stay here. And uh, they asked me over and over, they said, Hey, we really like you to stay for another 40 something days. Like, we really, you have such potential, you need to stay here. And I said, No, I think I'm going to go home and I'm just going to, you know, work out my salvation there. Um, basically, disobeying, disobeying what God had called me to do, which was to stay there because He had a plan for me. I was running from His plan. So I go back home and start spending time with family, and my mom and my dad. My dad always said, I want my son back, but when I got back and he saw the change that was in me, um, my dad being a God-fearing man, it, it affected his relationship with the Lord in a good way to where he, he had never seen such a change in anybody in his life. That's what he, that's his words. Um, he's like, it's almost like you're not even my son anymore. He said, you're something better. And he was just so overjoyed, and it, and it affected my whole family in a positive way. It united us together, um, my salvation experience. Well, everything was going good for the first three months, and then I started to think, you know what? I'm not going to try and progress with my relationship with God anymore. I stopped having that hunger. I lost my why, my drive, and I started to get back out into the world a little bit. And it wasn't very long that God's, the rebuking of the Lord came upon me within a week of me going back to that lifestyle. And, uh, I remember sitting there and just finally surrendering my will to the Lord's and saying, God, I don't know where you want me to go or what you want me to do, but I'm going to listen to you and I'm going to go where you want me to go. So I get on the phone. So I get on, uh, get on the internet and I Google faith-based Treatment centers with aftercare, which is like, you know, a residential program. And there was five places I called. Uh, some in North Carolina. One was in Texas. One was in Florida. I think another one was in California. And another one was in Etowah, Tennessee. And <laughs> Miracle Lake. And it was the last one. I called them, and they said, Byron Goodman answers the phone. And he says, hey, Mr. Huntsman. Um, you know, I I like your story. He said, um, I think you're serious, and he said, "You know what? Just as a coincidence, we actually have one bed open. Um, God just left a couple minutes ago. So, can you be here tomorrow?" I was like, "Yeah. Where's Edawa at?" He's <laughs> like, "Oh, you mean Edawa?" I was like, "Uh, okay." So I had to Google this place, and I I remember driving back, and I'm like, "All right, Lord, we're gonna do this." So my parents, we all load up, and we head out the next morning. And uh, I remember driving through there, and we start going into the boonies. We start going into the backwoods. Eat, I'm like, wall. eat a wall. Eat <laughs> a <laughs> And I remember being dropped off, oh, and uh, I asked God, I said, God, what's your plan for me here? <laughs> and I didn't know what my plan was, but I remember looking at my mother, who I had never been away from, or my father been away from, for longer than a couple months, and said, I'm not coming back. And. When my mom looked at me and said, "I know," and my mm. mom has huge separation anxiety because I'm her only son, <laughs> she said, "I know," and that was just confirmation for me that this is where God wants me to be. Yeah. Um. So Cody. Yeah. Let me.
0: L- let's. Let's pause. Um. So you go through this process and you explained it of you put your faith in Jesus and then literally the next day, the next week. Now, it's almost as if your conscience itself had changed. Something was telling you like, hey, you don't need to act like this. Mm -hmm. So literally, here's, you know, week before you're saved, you're living your life, checking out women, doing all these things you want. Okay. God convicts you. You put your faith in Jesus next week. Now you're not doing all that stuff that you freely did the week before, correct?
1: Oh, correct. Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: So what Cody just talked about is something referred to as the doctrine of regeneration. And what I love is in Titus chapter 3, verse 4 through 6, it says this, But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly. Right here through jesus christ our savior and so cody this is the process and the doctrine that you experienced is that you were saved not by your works but by the washing and regeneration and the renewal right of the holy spirit john chapter 3 being born again and all that happened was all that happened because you answered the call and you put your faith in jesus
1: oh yeah absolutely um tried everywhere in the world beforehand and it wasn't a conviction or a change in my mind of like beforehand if I if I was said I was sorry for something it was because yeah. I got caught and that was the only reason I had no remorse whatsoever for anything I was doing cuz I'm going to do what I want when I want and I don't care who it hurts because it's my life and then afterward it was I don't want to do these things anymore because they're wrong yeah and not only is it going to it may not hurt anybody else but it's going to hurt god
0: yeah and it was you I mean it had nothing to do with your emotions it had no. nothing to do with feeling better it you literally just showed up to church because you probably had to because of i didn't have a choice <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah i didn't so, have a choice they were like you're going but we're and, going
2: we're going down a path i think that really needs to be discussed not only has it been going on for long nicodemus in his day he struggled with it and he had a hard time getting his head around what the concept was but even in today's society where we look at, uh, I mean, you go door-to-door and you visit and you, you ask folks if they're a Christian, it's hard to find anybody that says, no, I'm not a Christian. Everybody's a Christian. But yet when it comes to that sanctification process mm-hmm. where my life is separate and different, mm-hmm. that's a little more rare, a little more hard to find. Mm-hmm. And without that regeneration, like I think that we're, we're talking about and really need to go into a little more in-depth explanation Uh, it's just a religion.
0: Yeah. And, uh, you know, even like when you look at, and as I was studying this week, when you get into like Romans 6 and you get into verse 1, it says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? When you look at that phrase, shall we continue, in Greek is epimeno, epimeno. And literally what that means is to stay over, remain, to live in, abide, tarry, continue. And so when you look at... What Paul's saying is he's saying, okay, so what do we say to everything that's taking place? Are we to stay over, to remain, to abide, to live in sin that God's grace may abound? And then he says, God forbid, by no means, certainly not. How can we who died to sin still live in it? And so regeneration and being born again is about the change ...of going from old to new, right? To be the new creature in Christ. Uh, Romans 6 says to walk in the newness of life. Uh, Colossians chapter 3 says to go from being the old man to the new man. Ephesians chapter 3, old man to new man. And you go through the scriptures and there's always this example of going from old to new... Paul's conversion in Acts chapter 9, literally, here's the man that killed the church, was super religious, right? Was persecuting Jesus' people, okay? He experiences the grace of God that we heard about in the sermon this morning. Okay, now he's a new man and has been completely changed. As you guys have heard Josh talk about, lived his life the way he wanted to, and then once God got a hold of him... Everything changed. Alan's the same way. I'm the same way. Grant's the same way. And there's a common theme that has a similarity with all of these testimonies is God changed us. And so when you look at being born again or regeneration, what Titus 3 or John chapter 3 is talking about, is if you say you're a Christian but there's no change in your life, of going from an old lifestyle of being and continuing and wanting to be all about sin, right, to go into living for the Holy Christ and wanting to get away uh, from sin and wanting to be further in the process of sanctification. then when you look right here in Romans 6, Paul says, well, how can we who say we died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? And so he paints that picture, and Alan's right. I mean, that's something that all churches need to talk about more in depth because everyone in the congregation, if the question is, are you a Christian, they'll raise their hands. But like and, Alan and, said,
3: though you said it's religion, and, and that's what they're wrapped up in. They're consumed by religion.
2: Nicodemus was consumed. He was a religious man, and was consumed yeah. by his intellect, what he had learned, what he had studied, and when Jesus told him, "You've got to be born again," yeah. his brain instantly, yeah. "I'm old. How yeah. could I? How can I?" It, it goes to a physical birth. Yeah. How can I reiterate? That's not possible how can i do a a work to get that back i can't do that that's nothing mm. i can do yeah and it's all about exactly it's all about what i'm doing to obtain salvation and it's not about us that's right it's not about us and the
3: thing is is like you know so when cody was talking you know i my story coincides with Mm -hmm. his very closely but we both have the same background and you do, you become a place to where you learn to appease people, mm-hmm. you know? So I would be tell p- friends and family members, like, we're concerned. And I'm like, look, I'm clean, I'm good, you know? And you go through seasons, mm-hmm. but there is no season that you experience to when you confront Christ or he confronts you because you understand the state <laughs> of your situation, <laughs> you know? And when I say, like, when I walked away from it, cold turkey it's very sobering isn't it it was very sobering (laughs) it was very sobering i mean like like and and i explained it to somebody one time i'm like you know at one time i says i have such a taste and a desire for it that nothing else suffices nothing else yeah and after salvation i had those that weak moment that i'm like this is what i want and it literally, like, turned my stomach mm-hmm. because the desire of yeah. it was removed. I, I truly believe, like, th- it was removed. But the thing about it is, is that, you know, when we have that understanding of who Christ is and what he did on our behalf. Yeah. yeah. For us to try to live in the world in a sinful state. It's not going to happen. It's not. You know, And that's the thing, but you get religion involved, and people get this this sense of religion to where they tell you, I am saved, but they truly have never really encountered Christ.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: They have not yes. had that
2: experience to where... Something's just not adding up. Right, it because if, be, it,
3: if, yeah. if they would have experienced it, their life would be taking a different shape and form.
0: I mean, that's just like, and everybody's listening to this to hear Cody's story, but... Let's say Cody was like, well, I put my faith in Jesus and I'm still addicted to drugs till this day. Well, we'd look at Cody and say, hey, brother, something's not adding up, Mm -hmm. but that's not the case because he's saying I've changed. And that's the reality is like, you know, I was saved at a young age, but, you know, in high school, there's about a six month span where I went and did what I wanted. It did not work. I mean, it's almost like trying to fit a triangle block into a circle hole. It's not going to work. You're not going to be able to live in it. You're not going to be able to continue in it or exist in it because you're not made to fit in that hole. Mm -hmm. And that's why people don't, they don't even realize, you know, God takes people out early because Mm -hmm. of their disobedience to his will and their disobedience to this. And you have to realize this if you're a Christian, you are not. You don't own yourself. You were bought with a price. You are a servant. You are a slave to Christ, and that's who you belong to. And if you have an issue with that, then take it up to the master, to the king, to the father, and see what happens because he's very—what do he say one time? Did, am I not a jealous God? Yep. He loves his people. Yep. And But here's the reality. I want to read this quote that I sent to a couple guys last night uh, by John Calvin. Listen to this. We feel no such conviction if all we do is look upon ourselves and not also upon the Lord. He's talking about the salvation. He says, We do not feel such conviction if all we do is look upon ourselves and not the Lord. See, what he's saying is if a person's not willing to look at a holy God and then look at yourself like Isaiah did, Woe is me, I'm a man of unclean lips. You'll never get to the point where you'll experience true conviction and true regeneration. Why? Because you have to see a need for a Savior in order to be saved. You have to see that. And something that uh, Cody also mentioned, another Bible verses Cody talked about, after he was regenerated, he was converted, he was saved, he entered that sanctification process. And I love that four pillar. I've heard him talk about this before, but uh, fellowship, prayer, the Word, and obedience. I mean, that's great. I guess that's a good beginning to start with, mm-hmm. the four pillars. But what I love is, see, Cody talked about this pillar, this house being built. And while Cody doesn't know this, I've actually read this this week. Um, when you get into 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, he says this. Um, he says, You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. To offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And that's the reality is 1 Corinthians chapter 6 says that we are the temple for the Holy Spirit. And now Peter's saying that we are a spiritual house that's being built up as a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices to God through Jesus Christ. And when we enter into the sanctification process, that's literally what we are. It's a temple for the Holy Spirit. But we are a spiritual house. We're a holy priesthood, right? The priesthood was like they're separate from the world. They represented God. We represent God. But look here, to offer spiritual sacrifices, in this process of sanctification, we're going to experience what Romans 9 and John 15 talk about, right? What do you say in John 15 about the vine that produces fruit? He said that it's pruned, so what? It can have more fruit. Romans 9, the clay and the molder of it, right? Right? So when we belong to God and we are truly the children of God, we enter this process of sanctification and simply put, to become more like Christ, where from age, how old were you when you got saved? 20. So Cody was 20 to, let's say, Cody were to be 100 when he dies. So from the age of 20 to 100, each day, each year, Cody is going to become more like Christ through that fourth pillar, obedience and he's going to be built up, he's going to offer those spiritual sacrifices, those things he's going to give up, he's going to be pruned why so that way he can become more like Christ and what Paul say press towards that mark of the high calling of God which is when he calls us to heaven. And Cody, in a simple testimony, two of the biggest things that need to happen in a proclaiming confessing Christian's life you've just brought up. So Cody, now you're at this point where you are heading to miracle like you're 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 identifying, you're growing in the Lord, you're growing in his word. So now in this transition to Ewall, mm-hmm. so you get there and then what happens from there till now?
1: Okay, so like well, finally when I pulled in there and I turned around and said, Mom, I'm not coming back home. And she said, Yes, that was confirmation for me. So the moment I sat down there, this was different than spring to life. Okay, this place. We did not talk about drugs and alcohol. It was like going into a hardcore regimented Bible boot camp. Like their main, He's just turned around. Oh, Okay, I was like Grant. What Grant's are doing? having to make what? his Exodus <laughs> to go to. He's
0: Grant's our drummer here at the church, and when we talk too long, uh, Grant has to leave so he can go practice music. So see Grant.
1: See you, buddy. Bye, buddy.
0: All right, Cody. What? Go ahead.
1: All right. So anyway, it was like a hardcore. It's hardcore Bible boot camp. It's like almost like going to a regimented seminary school. They told me they're like, okay, first off, there's no electronics whatsoever. You are shut off from the world. The only way you can make contact with the outside world is through letter. Um, there's no radio. There's no TV. There's nothing like that. It is just you, creation, um, good fellowship, and the word. So you're in you're in the bubble. Okay, you're in a prime state to learn as much as possible. Um, we had to summarize um, I had to summarize all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Romans, um, Titus, first uh, and second Peter, and first and second Corinthians. I had to summarize them. Now when I say summarize them, I mean that's, a, that's that's one page front to back of in your own words, description of what each verse is talking about verse by verse for each of those books. So I had like well over a hundred summaries I had to do over the course of seventy days. Um, reg- we had a regimented routine. I mean it was it was it was highly strict, but it Jack Bryan, the founder, started in the mid seventies when he was called by the Lord to go to the McMinn County Jail and preach to the inmates there, and he decided to open Miracle Lake as a place where men could come out of either drug addiction or criminal behavior-minded people to where we could come and be in an environment where we can make disciples. That's his job. He said, you you are not here to get sober. The world wants you to be sober. God wants you to be a disciple and then become a disciple maker, leaders, teachers, edif- edifiers, all of the above. He said, this is a training ground for you to become a Christian. He said, that's why it's called Miracle Lake Christian Training Center, not Miracle Lake Drug Rehabilitation Center. So... I knew everything was gonna be different there. I go through the entire program, 70 days, um, flawless. I took I, I took it as serious as possible. I dove into the Word and I grew, I probably got as close to a seminary education as you could get without actually going to seminary school. It was super informative and it, it, my relationship with the Lord grew tremendously. Um, so I get out and I go to graduate hall here in Madisonville and I decide, they ask you, how long do you think you're going to stay here? And I said, until God tells me to go, which turned out to be three years, which is like almost unheard of. Nobody else had stayed there that long. Um, and through that time, um, I had many ups and downs, not struggles so much with um, the drugs and the alcohol, but other sins started to try and take its place, which was lust. Yeah. Um. That's what God was working on me. He... He took away the desire for the drugs and the alcohol and just living a blatantly sinful lifestyle, and then Satan decided to come on in and try to mess with my mindset as far as on certain things and cause confusion. Like, oh, premarital sex—that's okay. I mean, that's not—that's that's not drugs. That's not alcohol. It's not the same thing. You know, you just—you're just, you're just having fun. You know, you're 20-something. That you're young, and every relationship that I tried to enter into or any un godly relationship i tried to enter into God just somehow made a way to very quickly remove that and was like chastise me almost like when your dad gives you a spanking just like no no stop yeah. this is not the way you do it I'm not gonna bless this relationship and I fought that for a long time and when I was asking God over and over where you want me to go um, I knew that I had personal things I had to work on and one of my desires that I really wanted was a wife never wanted that before in my life Never had a desire. Um, previously had been married and I said I was never gonna do it again, but all of a sudden I had this desire, like, you know what, I really want to I really want to find a wife. Like a good, godly life partner to spend the rest of my life with and serve with. And uh lo and behold I met Bree. Um, which for everybody doesn't know is my fiance. And uh I meet Bree, didn't like her at first at all. Um, thought no way, this is the woman I'm gonna marry. And then slowly but surely, she started inviting me here to Watson's. I'd never been to Watson's before. Or Actually, i have been here once or twice. And uh, she invited me to Watson's, and she was a lot, so much different than any other woman. She uh, had a, such a desire for the Lord and a hunger for His Word and wanted to serve Him. And what impressed me the most is like when I came over to her house for the first time, she showed me her prayer closet. She was so proud of her prayer closet with Bible verses everywhere, her prayer board. It was just like, it was very, it was very intimidating and impressive. And I was like, Lord, this there is no way this is, this is too good to be true. Um, And through her, I learned what God's way for not only my life should be, but as far as having a godly relationship should be. Yep um been there been there (laughs) still there (laughs) and uh she she gave me an ultimatum she said i'm just here to tell you right now i really like you and i think we could go somewhere but i'm just gonna know i'm saving myself for marriage and obviously i had not saved myself and uh she said i'm saving myself for marriage and uh i'm not going to cower down on that so you're gonna have to make a choice and I remember that night uh, sitting out in the car with her and we prayed about it. And I finally surrendered to God's will. And that was the one thing I was not going to let go of. I was not going to, I'm not letting go. Of this. this is my thing, God. But that night I finally gave it up and I said, God, if this is a woman you want me to be with, I'm willing to do this for you. And boom, God put the thought in my head. This is the woman you're supposed to marry, stupid. <laughs> you need to ask her immediately. So that night I went and uh, asked her. Asked her father and her stepfather if I could marry her, and I got two resounding yeses, and uh, here we are, 60 days away from getting married. And, man, God, in just such an awesome way, through that, strengthened my relationship with him and gave me just another purpose. Because being a husband is a calling. It's a very honorable calling. It's not just something that you do. People don't understand that it's a... It's, it's not a job, but it's a calling from the Lord that you are given this responsibility for this other person's spiritual well-being. There's a
0: lot of biblical responsibility. Yes, there is.
1: Yes. Lots.
0: Way more than what the women Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: Everybody, if, if, if you uh, need to know, just talk to your pastor or come talk to Pastor Jason about doing some premarital counseling with you and your fiance. Let's see. The guy's packet's like three inches.
0: About and then 40 the girl, pages. And then the girl's is like, Ten pages. Yeah,
1: let me summarize her. Just, just, just do what he says and pray for him. <laughs> that's that's what it is. I mean, that's exactly. That's not literally what it says, that's, but uh, that's a. It's a, a good summary, I think. There's more it. depth, but yes. Yeah. Um, but man, it's it's a biblical responsibility, and uh, I feel very honored that God has given me that privilege, um, from bringing me from where I was to being a pretty much homeless, um, you know. What I would say, piece of crap yep. person, just scum of the earth, chief of all sinners, as Paul would say, and bringing me that responsibility, and uh, so sorry, it's just it's kind of overwhelming when you sit there and think about it.
0: Yeah. So let me ask you a question because Cody probably doesn't know this, but last week we talked about worldly entertainment, especially when it comes to like the lines of like sexual pornography, like the mm-hmm. impact it has on the United States um TV shows all that stuff so like Cody you you talked about being a young man Christian man mm-hmm. who struggled with that thought of premarital sex oh, like wow. that thought of I want this I'm struggling with this probably not the idea of like you wanted it and you wanted to live in it but it's a, a thing you struggled with even though you you knew you shouldn't have done it yeah and you should you know what I'm saying so, but Cody, you know, I'm not bringing that up for you to share all your stuff with no, us, but I am bringing that to. up. Yeah, I am bringing that up to say this because we kind of talked about this last week. Cody, if there's people listening to this right now that like they're struggling in that area with sexual desires for other people or the battle of fantasy and imagination in their thoughts, less in their heart, like what advice would you give them from someone who... Uh, God was like, hey, you've got to get away from these things. The Bible says it's supposed to happen like this, and now you're here to proclaim that to others. Like, no, God saved this and created it for mm. marriage. What would you tell people listening
1: right now about that? Okay, well, a couple things. Everybody needs to understand that uh, sexual desires are normal. are normal. This is my, something my mom and dad and most parents don't talk about with their kids anymore because it's a very taboo topic. But sexual desire is God-given. It is natural. So don't be freaked out that you have sexual desires or anything like that because everybody has them that has ever walked the earth, period. Point blank, period. So understand that it's natural and it's not going to go away. And it's okay to have those, but you've got to work and pray that God can change your outlook on those things, on God has created this thing. It is normal, natural, and there's nothing wrong with it, but in its proper time and place. Okay, just, uh, just like God has created all kinds of other things, God has created uh, um, plants and herbs and/or uh, doctors that create medications, such as like I was addicted to pain medication, right? God created those plants and those doctors to make that medicine, and it's, there's nothing wrong with it as long as it's used in its proper place. But when it's abused, it's when those things, when God's creation is abused, is where it's wrong. So you need to look at it from the proper standpoint.
0: The context. the context. and And like to say this, you know, if you're out there and you're listening to this and you you struggle or let's say, you know, you're engaged or something, that doesn't mean that you're like, oh, well, I am getting married so I can think r- lustfully about her. No. No. If you have lustful thoughts, you should bring those into captivity and obedience to Jesus Christ, as the Bible would say. Mm-hmm. You need to fight those things because there's a spiritual battle going on within you that m- millions of other Christians—well— probably not millions, hundreds of other Christian men and women would attest to say, hey, we've been there. Hey, we struggle with that too. You need to fight those urges. Don't give in to them. Uh, Submit to God, resist the devil, he'll flee. Uh, Present yourself as a living sacrifice, right? Let God renew your mind. But also, kind of what Cody said is, you know, growing up, people are just like, okay, sex is bad. Sex is bad. Don't do it. Sex is bad. So obviously when you become a teenager and you're rebellious, you grow up hearing about how it's bad, but the reality is, is Cody is right. God did create that, but instead of people pushing it away because they feel uncomfortable to talk about it, or people saying, do whatever you want, I mean, it's kind of one of those things where parents and, you know, people that have that opportunity to mentor and pour into children, I mean, it needs to be talked about of like, hey, this is how, what God created, and this is why he created with scripture. This is how it needs to be portrayed. And you need to save yourself in purity so that way you can experience what God has created between you and your wife or your husband.
3: Go ahead, Josh. Well, that's that part of that being a husband and Mm -hmm. a father, that that long list, Mm -hmm. you know, is for us too sexually, spiritually, mentally, Mm -hmm. you know, when it comes to prayer, when it comes to worship. But they do need to know this, Mm -hmm. you know, and especially at the age of puberty, it's important. You know, that it's not awkward. There's nothing awkward about it. What you are going through, because the thing about it is when we silence it or make it taboo, a child is going to find out through the world, curiosity of what it is they're looking for. Absolutely. So as we as Christian parents don't sit them down and explain to them, like you said, you know, it is a natural thing. It is a God given thing. Mm -hmm. But. The key is that there's a purpose for Mm -hmm. it. And that purpose is not now, not, Mm -hmm. not in your puberty years. That Mm -hmm. purpose is coming later in life. When, you know, when he, when he introduces your husband or your wife to you Mm -hmm. at that moment, you will understand why the weight has has came. And I was like, but the thing about it is, and it even, it is even bigger than just the, the sexual part of it. I think too, that it's very key especially in today with, you know, like we were talking earlier and even last week with the religion and the early believe or the easy believism. And, you know, everybody's a Christian. You know, it's it's critical to explain to our children and to show them in Scripture what it means to be like Christ. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's not just saying, you know, oh, I believe you go up to the. No, because that's just like like you said. That's the beginning. Now the work starts yeah. because now you understand. Hey, I can't say
2: this <laughs> word I said last week. Yeah. I can't look upon the yeah. way I used to. Yeah.
3: So that's takes, where the work.
2: C- we've got we've got several couples that are just about to take that step in, 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 into the 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 bounds of matrimony, mm-hmm. where God's leading you into a, a next phase of your life. And uh, guys, I tell you what, uh, I know we've done a, a episode where we talked about. You know fathers and and being leaders and talked about being good parents and our responsibility and things that we've covered with our children but uh honor your honor your wives yes. protect your wives I've heard our pastor and i I, I respect him for saying it contend for her. protect them uh make sure that you you set them uh, in, in a position where you are uh, the uh, the protector. Of the weaker vessel, yeah, yes. and help help your children when they come to understand these things. And guys, if it's if it's if it's understanding the the, the awkward face of uh, of sex and and, and having my kids get so weird, they do. <laughs> <laughs> I can just imagine Joe. <laughs> I mean, I I, mean I, I I really I take a lot of uh, a pain, a care, and and explain things about you know. Uh, and if you, one of the earlier episodes, I said it, son, if you think that marriage is going to solve your sexual frustrations, you're looking at that young lady in the wrong light. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. not, it's, it's it's not a, a cure. That should you're, be yourself, the, the last it, That thing. should be the last thing. Yeah. And what we want to make sure that we instill these godly principles, he, you know, he's in a new phase of his life as far as his profession. He's got another job offer, pretty nice one. And I said, son, don't get your hopes hung up in that job. If it don't work out, it may not work out. You know right. what I'm saying? Things may happen. You may lose that job. Yeah. I'm not wishing harm or, or yeah. hoping that he fails. But if you keep that mentality in your mind that I'm not afraid to work, mm-hmm. I, I, I am willing to work, Yeah. God's going to take care of you. Yeah. Because as long as you've got that mindset where the bible says if a man won't work he shouldn't eat. No. Yeah. Shouldn't eat. Yeah. And so those concepts that we that that come along with being an adult want to instill those into our kids. Well,
0: yeah. and I, and I'll say this too like people and I'm not saying just go up to a stranger like a weird a kid and just be like, "Oh, let me teach you about, you know, say that for the parents, Save that for the church that can model that scripturally. But I am saying this No one ever taught me how to truly biblically respect women as a teenage boy. Now, while I had Christian parents, and they loved me deeply, um, and I'm not saying they did anything wrong, but they were busy a lot, you know, and they didn't know about a lot of the things that I struggled with because I kept everything a secret. But no one ever taught me how to biblically view a woman, and so since nobody did, the world did. My friends at school did. So then, when I get out of high school and I'm like convicted, and because I'm like, man, I'm doing this wrong, I'm I can't find. I keep getting into these relationships where it's like bridges are being burned down. I'm not happy. My heart's broken all the time. I ended up going through a ten week discipleship program that was based on young people who felt called to ministry. And for the first time in my life, I had a man sit down and look at me. And say, you, he said this, he said, you don't know how to view a woman biblically. And I got mad at him. I was like, don't tell me that. You don't know me. And he was like, no. He said, I'm saying this out of love. He's like, you don't know how to do it. He's like, let's talk about your current relationship. He asked me a question. He's like, okay, um, if I told you to not do PDA, to not do anything of like holding hands or kissing and all that stuff, For three months, would you do it? And I said, absolutely not. He's like, you don't control me. And he goes, exactly. You are in a relationship, and you're not even spiritually prepared to ever even be in one. And so he literally tore me in half. And we went through the Bible, (laughs) and I left that program, and I looked him in the face, and I said, Dennis, I want to thank you for being honest, telling me the truth, and helping me see that I have a problem. And I don't know how to view people, right? I don't know how to view women. And so from there, I learned biblically that women are not meat. Any girl you ever come in contact with that's a Christian is a, chi- a child of the king. <laughs> that's someone's daughter. That's someone's future wife. I mean, all of these thoughts. But then I was like, okay. So I stayed single for five years and tried to learn and pray that, One, I would just stay single till if God allowed me to marry that, the next person I would be with would be my wife. And so it took five years. But I learned a lot in that five years on how biblically we're supposed to view women. And now, you know, I'm in a relationship where kind of what Cody said, like I'm learning what it actually means to be in a God-centered relationship. And it's awesome because the number one thing isn't, physical activity or the conversation of this or having to readdress boundaries all the time our number one conversation is we're talking about scripture we're talking about life we're excited that we're best friends and all and all these great qualities and but why i say this why i said that is to say this if you're a church member or you're a parent that's listening this please talk to your kids and help them it's good Help them learn what it means to biblically view the opposite sex and how it needs to be appropriately done because if you won't
1: somebody else will the world will and then it'll be wrong that's what yeah that's what I gotta say about it is uh just being a young man and this in this younger generation I'm here to tell you right now parents if you think for one second your your child's a uh, an angel and they don't think about that stuff and they're, they they know what to do and this, that, the other, they're wrong. They're either going to learn it from you or from the world, a
2: version from the world.
1: They're going to learn the wrong copy, (laughs) a
2: a contorted, twisted, wrong concept. They're they're going
1: to ask questions and they're going to get answers from.
3: And I mean, that's one of the two. That's one of the things. So, you know, we, me and my wife sat down with our kids and we asked them, basically individually at separate times we've asked them what they look for in their perfect mate Mm -hmm. and they list off and it 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 was a variety (laughs) i mean it wasn't like all of them had this i mean it was a variety Mm -hmm. and this is not just for my children though because me and zoe also reflect upon this Mm -hmm. what is that perfect one you just described deserve yeah, Are you that person? Yeah, Because I'm here to tell you that when I look back at my life and the mistakes that I made prior to salvation, if I was to stop now, I fail my wife. I fail my children. So the thing is, is when I look at the perfect spouse and what a perfect wife would be, I need to ask myself, am I the perfect husband? Because if I'm not, I'm failing them. Mm-hmm. And the responsibility of a father is to be the spiritual leader of a home. So that means that when I stand before my children, I am to show love, admiration, and uplift my wife always. Let's take our pride and put it in there for a second. You come home and you're tired. You worked all day. And, you know, you're just wanting to take two minutes to unwind. You know, there's something that is not a problem, is not an issue. On a 99% time of the time, would be not be. When you become, to become one, you know where the buttons are. There oh, is yeah. there is nowhere that it's you like guys, you need to search and seek. You know. Josh, they're not taking notes. You need to be writing these yeah. things, guys.
2: <laughs> because <laughs> Write this stuff down.
3: Because what's going to happen is that that button's going to get pushed because she had a bad day. But you haven't communicated that to understand where both are coming from. So pride stands in the way. Well, I'm going to ask, and like I said, when we reflect, we need to reflect on both of us. Has either one of us taken it from the state of love? how we react in front of our children is what we impersonate the way we treat each other is what we also are putting out you know i can sit there and tell my kids all the time you know don't do this do this don't do this if i'm not doing and falling in line with that i am a hypocrite because what i am doing is becoming a dictator and i'm saying do this do this but you cannot do that because the thing about it is when we come to salvation, it was not through dictatorship. It was because we were shown love through his word. He showed us the example of what it means to be. And if we are going to be Christian, men, we have to stand up and lean on the word of God and put the world aside because we are to be separate, be separate, an st- uh, an alien. Why do we conform then and start to look like the world? Why can't we stand up and say, no, I'm not going to allow this because I worship God, you're my wife, you worship God, and you're my children, and you're going to worship God because we are godly
2: people exactly and and i'll say this guys and then we'll turn the line back over sorry
0: (laughs) it's okay don't be sorry but listen listen. it is a big
3: and cody i love it because it is a big responsibility and don't ever you know and i love that you know that yes and when you and when
2: you get it wrong and when you when you come in and you you don't react and respond the way that (laughs) god wants you to be the man and let your kids see, see you your, admit it. Absolutely. Admit. And you want to talk about eating crow? And apologize to your wife in front of your kids. <laughs> yep. Yes. But you will.
3: Yep. And after yep. you do that, yep. I mean, the, the impact it has on your children. Yep. Because even when when it comes their time and they're in the wrong, yep. they'll come straight to you and go, I know I was in yeah. the wrong. Mm-hmm. And,
0: you know, it's just obvious that through, obviously, like Cody talking about the power of salvation but then bringing up the spectrum of how people misinterpret basic things that, like we've talked about, the church has been silent about for years, and now here the world is with a superior view on you can have sex with whoever you want. Okay, church, we've been silent for too long, so we need to teach the generations under us. But here's the thing. People need to teach their kids. Now, me and Cody don't have kids, but we can stand here and listen to these two men, but also other men in our church that say, hey, you've got to train your children up. Yep. You've got to have those conversations because if you don't, someone else will. Yep. Yep. And guys, the enemy is roaming around like a, a roaring lion. He's wanting to devour. And if you don't think that he's going to devour your kids, you're not thinking right. Yep. And, you know, I, I think it's just one of those things that I'm appreciative to be able to sit in this room. Because there's a huge responsibility in our lives with our families, but in our lives in ministry to be able to stand on God's holy word and the gospel of Jesus Christ and help try to teach a world and a generation that this is what God has done. Look at all of these things. Listen, when you get in Judges chapter 2 and it says Joshua died, it said, and then there was a generation that rose up that did not know God. Amen. It was because the elders stopped telling the generations yeah. under them and their own children what God had done. Yep. And here we are in 2021. If we don't do that as a church but also as parents then there will continue to be generations that grow up that don't know about God and they want nothing to do with God. And that
3: was just like you said, that's a generation,
0: you know, and he was key to make sure. So let's put it here.
3: Yeah. So we remember it as a memorial mm-hmm. of yeah. how the God delivered us. Yeah. You know, so.
0: Yeah. And I mean, friends, listen, Jesus will save you if you're lost. If you're a Christian and you're struggling with sexual desire, talk to somebody. Listen, if you would just say, hey, I need help. Hey, I need accountability. Man, conf- it says confess your sins to one another. Share your burdens with one another. God is in that. And God will comfort you. He can deliver you. He can help you. But here's the other part. It's going to take some effort from your side to cast those things out of your life and out of your path. And here's the other thing. If you're a parent and you're listening to this, please become a parent. Now, I'm saying that not because I'm not a parent, but I'm saying that because the Word of God is asking you to step up into your role and teach your kids, and I'll say this because I've been working with teenagers for about seven years now, please teach your kids about God creating, you know, sex for a husband and a wife, Uh, God created a man for a woman, God wants us to pray. God wants us to read. Please teach your kids that stuff. Nothing S- wrong with that. They're, so that they're, way. They're absolutely right. Absolutely. So that way youth directors and youth pastors and volunteers don't have to teach your kids stuff that they should be learning at home. I'm just saying. Yep. And so my friends, be encouraged by this. Please, y'all that were excited about hearing the rest of Cody's story, be excited about how God can change someone's life from being addicted to drugs to being off drugs how, Cody, how long have you been sober
1: now? Um, 894 days.
0: How? What is that in years?
1: Uh, a little over two, almost three.
0: So Cody's been sober. Cody's getting married. Cody's involved in ministry. And man, the doors that God will continue to open for him. Who knows? Mm-hmm. The sky's the limit.
1: Oh, and one thing, one thing. I did get asked this. I um, had a few people ask me. Did you spend eight years in prison? No, I did not. If you can do math, I'm 23, I would still be there. <laughs> um, um, this is, to, to end this all with the greatest story, okay, I, I go through the sanctification process. I go through the court system of, I was on, a, if anybody doesn't know, I was on bond, which which means I posted bail and was out of jail for, it was a, almost two years before I ever got a court date. So my my future was in limbo here and with some very serious felony charges. And I was under the understanding that like when I walked in that courtroom that day, I was like, there is the understanding I'm not going to leave here today. Yeah. I, I could be going to prison, but I was okay with that because I'm like, God, if you want me to be there, there's a purpose for me there. And I walked in and the judge said, okay, Mr. Huntsman, I'm going to do something for you. He said, we're going to do what's called a judicial diversion. He said, it is up to my discretion to give this to you. What it is, is he says, I'm going to give you 11 months and 29 days. He said, of, you're going to act like you're on probation. You're going to get drug tests. You're going to have to see a probation officer, this, that, and the other. And uh, if you complete this rigorous, strict, I think he said that there was only a 10% passing rate of people that got on in the state of Tennessee. Um, if you make it through this year with no issues, I, he said, you can't get a speeding ticket or you'll go to prison. If you make it through this whole year, Everything will be expunged from your record," he said. "It'll be as if it never happened." So, I made it through that whole year, clean as a whistle, n- not a speeding ticket, nothing. I, that's why, probably why I drive like a grandma now, because <laughs> I, I mean I was minding my P's and Q's. And then um, I remember I think it was a little over a little over a year ago, I stood in the courtroom in Montgomery County Courthouse and uh, looked over the paperwork, and he said, "Just say well." This is not something I get to do every day. He said, Mr. Huntsman, you're a free man. You're free to go. And I man. said, I said I was free before you ever said that. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. God's yeah. grace right there. <laughs> Absolutely.
0: And, uh... Also one of the first things Cody did was he was able to legally own a gun.
1: Yes, that's the first thing I did. I was <laughs> in this great nation we live in. I went and bought a Smith West and Wesson a firearm. <laughs> it was awesome. And I mean I mean it's awesome, man, to be able to like to, to do those things now and it's like, you know, God it was like a representation of God has washed away all my past sins. Yeah, boy. But then even in the eyes of the law, he yeah washed them he gave away. you a second chance He gave me a full second chance at life Wow. And is, I have met so many friends right now and there's so many people in the uh, I I still have good friends that are in the penitentiary system right now good solid Christian people that made mistakes that didn't get that chance mm-hmm. um, and spending the rest of their lives behind bars but you know for some reason God and his infinite wisdom found a purpose for me his out sovereignty
0: here. mm-hmm and his grace allowed Cody to walk out a free man. I bet
1: he's got big plans for you, buddy. Oh, I guarantee. you. I, yeah. I hope he does, man. I, yeah. I I know he does, and uh, you know, I just I want to give back because you know people can look at me. I remember mm. when I was I remember when I was a kid and my dad talking to me about the Lord or telling me not to do this and not to do that and this that and the other. My dad's never done anything like that in his entire life. I mean, I'm not saying my dad's not a sinner, but he has, hasn't exactly done anything awful. And I think it's going to be kind of a blessing when I have kids and I get on to them, don't do this, don't do that. And they get all rebellious and snappy and they say, well, what do you know, dad? And I'm like, oh, really? Well, <laughs> let's pull up a podcast from 20 years ago. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 going to be... I think it's definitely going to help people, and that's all I wanted to do. Well, you,
0: I mean, and you you painted the picture. God doesn't save us to sit us. God saves us, and he has a high calling on our lives and an area in the body of Christ that we will function and we will be gifted for. And here's the thing. You said this, "To to give back what I can. I think it's now, it's not to the point of me trying to give back. It's to the point of what Peter said. So, some of the disciples walked away, and Jesus turned and looked at them and said, Are you two going to walk away? And Peter said, Where else will we go? You have the words to eternal life. Yeah. So, when you get to that point where Christ is all you have and all you want and your heart's desire, you experience what Cody just said. Yeah. You want to live for him. Can't you run. want to give back. Can't you want to serve him. him. Can't no. run him
2: off. Ain't nowhere else to go. <laughs>
0: you want to see him. You want to be with him. And, man, you want to learn about him and live holy life and mm-hmm.
1: see others experience the conversion that you went through. And there's so. nothing. there's nothing more fulfilling, man. There is no, there's no happiness that can come from that. I, I mean, I still have struggles to this day. I still struggle with lust. I still struggle with... Um, thoughts of things i shouldn't struggle with i go through dry seasons as far as as far as my spiritual life but god and like he said in his sovereignty he's always going to come through for you yeah every time
0: the same yesterday today and forever more no nope. yeah. no place to quit guys yeah. no place for any gives of you a pur-
1: gives you a purpose and a drive and like yeah. you understand that you were created for a purpose and you're not just aimlessly wandering through this life just to die
0: void just yeah. walking around well I can say this, Cody. We are so thankful that you've joined us.
1: Man, I thank you guys for bringing me on. I'd definitely love to do this again. This is pretty yeah. We'll cool. have yeah. you come back Absolutely, and we'll talk yeah. about some good stuff. Oh
0: yeah. But, uh, anybody else have anything to say before we uh, dismiss? God bless. God bless. God bless you guys. All right. I'm gonna say something different. You all are at liberty. We'll see you next <laughs> week. All right. Actually, peace we're out. at Watson's. Okay. Yeah. All right. See you guys. <laughs>